Welcome back to the Strategic Meeting Tech Podcast. The Strategic Meeting Tech Podcast is your podcast source for news and discussion of the meetings and events industry. Each week, we bring you stories of new technologies, new ideas, and new directions that will directly affect all of us in the meetings and events industry. I'm your host, John Trask. I'm a CMP, a CMM, and I'm a 30-year veteran of both the audiovisual and meetings and events industry. And welcome back to the Strategic Meeting Tech Podcast. Um, we have uh, a guest with us here, but I'm going to give you a little bit of a scene setting first because it's a little bit noisy in the background. And uh, basically, we are at IMEX America in Las Vegas, and uh, it's become sort of the meeting place of the meetings industry. Uh, pretty much everybody who's uh, in the industry ends up here at some point now. Maybe it's a little bit like Rick's Cafe in Casablanca. Um, Play it again. So, uh, Roger Rickard is with us, Voices in Advocacy. Hello, Roger. John, great to see you again, and uh, thanks for having me on again. It's, it's really cool when we have a chance to sit down face-to-face like this. And uh, the, the topic today that we were going to talk about is, is maybe not 100% meeting industry. It's, it stretches a little bit beyond that, I think, uh, because we, we wanted to talk a bit. We, we have a presidential debate going on tonight, the last debate. Um, It's a very charged political climate. There are a lot of things that do affect the meetings industry based on the government. Um, And we kind of wanted to update on that and just talk about advocacy and voter knowledge and those things in general. Well, of course, that's what I do. And so I love the topic and I think it's great. But one of the things that I would would say uh, first and foremost, John, is that... uh, that here we are at IMAX America and, and kind of the melting pot of the meetings industry and, and the things that happen here. Uh, most people don't realize the fact that the meetings industry is so vitally important, economic link to the success of business. You started off by saying it's kind of nice to get together face to face, and that's really what the meetings industry is all about. Right. It's that ability to be able to communicate and do business face to face. Uh, to be educated, to learn, to be trained, uh, and, and doing the business of commerce. And I'm here, it might not seem like a, a, a great fit, but I'm here because I have a number of trade organization clients in the meeting space uh, that I work with, uh, specifically, in fact, we talked about that, I think, in a podcast here just a couple yes. weeks ago. Uh, we talked about one of those clients being the International Association of Exhibitions and Events, but I'm here kind of just gathering, you know, things and talking with the clients and meeting with them face-to-face. We, right. We kind of have that doctrine we've uh, <laughs> talked about in the past about that. And, and yes. Uh, well, you did a blog post about uh, just about voter knowledge and voting on your website, which I'll make sure I put a link in when we post this, uh, but it's rogerrickard.com, Voices in Advocacy, being your organization. And um, so tell me a little bit about your, uh, your blog post and your breaking news. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, it's, it's kind of funny. The, the, the title of that post, uh, and it is available if you go to VoicesAndAdvocacy.com or RogerRicker.com, either way. Uh, it's Americans have a big decision on Election Day, and then in parentheses, and it's not for president. Right. And, I, you know, and you try to do a headline that kind of grabs some people. Some people read the headline and responded to me before they even read the post and said, are you nuts? This presidential election is really important. And I would respond to them, well, read the post and understand it. Yes. So kind of the, the breaking news to this is 
Uh, on election day, there's an awful lot more than just the presidential election. And I don't think there's any question that most political pundits and people kind of in the knowledge are really calling this a, a very transformational presidential election. I don't, I don't think there's any question about that. I, and, I, and I do think that it's going to be nasty. Uh, and on a personal basis, I think that's going to make it really interesting post-election day, which we can talk about here in a minute. So sure. the, the key to this is there are so many other things, <laughs> items. And all, politics is local. <laughs> and all politics is local. And, and you know, if you, if you start looking what they call down ballot, mm -hmm. you've got 36 of the 100 U.S. senators are up. That's a little bit higher than normal because of some open seats. It, normally this, uh, this year would have been 34, but there's two open seats. You've got all 435 members of the House of Representatives Congress that are up, uh, and uh, that's going to be an interesting dynamic as well. You've got uh, a number of governors. I I'm, I can't really think off of the top of my head, but I think there's like 10 or 12 governors' races. But more importantly, of the 99 branches of state government, Nebraska is a has one branch. Okay, no and upper and lower house. That's right. That's right. They have one. They have one branch. Uh, I think it's called a unicarmel. Uh, but don't quote me on that one. I'd have to go back to my poli side days. Uh, but it's, I think it's a unicorn uh, legislature, which means one. And uh, of the 99 that exist, 86 are up. So there's all kind of state senators, state members of the House that, assembly. Are, that are all up. Yeah, whether it's the House or Assembly, whatever they call it. And then you've got a lot of other elections. You've got attorney generals running and corporation commissions and county commissioners. And you've got all that stuff that is local. Right. And, and every one of those races are local. Yeah. Uh, and they, even the presidential race is local. Because they keep talking about battleground states, but it's not even battleground states. It's like battleground counties. Right. And, precincts. And, and, and there are certain places that will really decide what's going on. And, it, and it's fair, but it's those hotbeds that are going to make the decisions in this, in this particular election. But here's the other thing that I think just people totally avoid, and that is the ballot propositions. Yes. Oh, my God. <laughs> so in doing the research for the blog post, there are... There are 281 state ballot initiatives across this country. Wow. I know and, we have a lot in California. Well, I think, and don't <laughs> don't quote me, but I think California has 21. Right. And, you know, the amount of time and effort that it takes to cut through those initiatives, uh, one, because they have to be written like statute. Right. And people don't necessarily know how to read statute, and they usually have to core law correspond with other statutes. Right. So. So they're modifying something. Yeah, or, and, and so they say this modifies 38-426CB, and you're going what? <laughs> and so that means you have to be able to either go online and find that statute and read what it really is modifying, mm -hmm. 
and how it's modified, or you're clueless in this. And so there's some disadvantages. So consequently, things that happen in those ballot initiatives, if you got the people that are for and the people that are against, that really tweak, just like a campaign, a candidate does, tweaks their issue to a point where they're making the argument yeah. that may be somewhat stretching the truth, and we're being nice when we say it that way. <laughs> I mean, I'll give you I'll give you a great example of one in, in my home state of Arizona. There is a, a marijuana initiative right. to legalize marijuana. Arizona already has medical marijuana. And one of the ads that is being run shows former governor of Colorado and a former governor or former mayor of Denver commenting about the mistakes made when Colorado passed legalization of marijuana. The Denver mayor, former mayor says, and Colorado, and Colorado school, Denver schools got no money from this, which it was supposed to go to education. That's a true statement. But when you dig deeper, the reason they didn't get any money was that they had to apply for that money, and the Denver School District never applied for that money. Truth? Yeah, they got no money. Right. Reality? Because they didn't apply for it. So whatever one's... Kind of They're omitting part of the, uh, the argument. Oh, absolutely. You know, I mean, it, it, and it's... And listen, that's how campaigns have been run since day one. Yeah. Uh, whether whether they're personal or not, the the real challenge with the initiatives is these things are life changing. Right. And people don't realize, and and even the meetings industry doesn't realize necessarily how these ballot initiatives could affect them. There there's initiatives for infrastructure. Mm-hmm. There's initiatives for security, and we know here at IMAX, without getting too deep into it. Security has been a major issue here about what the industry is doing to move forward uh, with that initiative that's going on. It's certainly going to be a huge topic in the future. Absolutely. And it's under the surface now a little bit. But it's well, and I think there's up. a lot of good work that's being done. Yeah. Uh, and you really don't want to draw too much attention to things. Uh, yeah. And we'll leave it at that, if you will. But with, you know, I think as I was doing my research, these initiatives cover areas such as business, civil liberties, crime, death penalty, drugs, education, employment, uh, insurances, infrastructure, as I mentioned, right. uh, taxations, transportation. All these things affect the meetings industry. Yes, absolutely. So, and, and the, one of the big weaknesses that the meetings industry has, that any visitor industry has, is that an elected official, a politician, realizes that tax is a bad word. And and because tax is a bad word, hmm, how can we quote unquote tax and or levy a fee that doesn't look like it's a tax? And who do we levy that on? Well, it's much easier to levy that fee or tax on someone who doesn't vote for you. Right. So as a visitor is out going, and if you're holding a meeting, we're here in Las Vegas, 
you know, I, I checked out of my room this morning, and there are three taxes on the room. Right. Three. And there may be another one soon to build a stadium. We're well, talking I, about while we're here. Exactly, and it's much easier to tax the visitor. Yeah. And that's a crime because a it's almost taxation without representation. You had no voice in that. And we go back to the early days uh, of our government, and, and that's what we fought for. That, right. What the Tea Party was all about. Yeah. And I don't mean the Tea Party Not in the, the political <laughs> group now. Yeah. I mean the Boston Tea Party in in Boston Harbor, uh, you know, 250 years ago. Right. Uh, but uh, without without a doubt, these issues affect the meetings industry, and they affect everybody, and they affect your livelihood. If you have aging parents, they affect that. If you have children going to school, they affect that. If you're a new homeowner, they affect that. If you own a small business, they affect that. It is, uh, this is big stuff, and this election is really important. And my message to your audience is simple. You have to vote. But more importantly, you have to understand what you're voting for. Right. Be informed. Be informed. And those ballot initiatives are complex. I got to tell you, they're, 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 they, there's a couple initiatives in Arizona. Mm -hmm. And when it is a citizen initiative in Arizona, it becomes what is known as a Proposition 200 level initiative. And so there's a couple of those Prop 205, 206. The subjects aren't really important necessarily, but what's hidden is important. Right. Arizona passed years ago a citizen initiative that said the only way that the legislature can amend the will of the citizen is by three quarters vote in the state legislatures. So a citizen initiative becomes law if it wins. And you can't change any part of that unless you get three-quarters of a vote. So it's nearly written in stone. It is almost. I mean, we might as well go back and ask Moses for the chisel <laughs> that he got from God for the Ten Commandments because it is almost written in stone. Getting three-quarters of any legislature to agree on something? It, well, it's, it's, it's difficult, and then it becomes lacking of a compromise. Right. Uh, and, and in my personal opinion, that is a not good governing. The reason that we have checks and balances set up in our government is is for things to be fluid and flexible and to be able to make these adjustments to correct it. It's funny now that if we take this clear back to the presidential election, that no matter what one thinks of the Affordable Care Act or Obamacare, is you know. Even Hillary's now saying, well, there has to be changes. Right. Well, if this was a citizen initiative on a national level, which it, there isn't any, yeah. uh, you wouldn't be able to really do that. Right. And so at the state level, that happens. So you need to know how those rules affect you at, at, at the state level. It's And it's a daunting task. I know in California, with the number of initiatives we have, it, it, we practically got a novel in the mail with that information. And so do you have any tips for people of how they can 
look at that information logically and, and pull some things out from uh, sort of a higher level, just like, are there keys or clues yeah. that they can look for? Yeah, absolutely. First of all, uh, I would imagine that this is fairly consistent across the country. I can't speak for every state, but when you get your voter guides and you said, you know, it's like I got a novel in right. the mail, uh, there are usually letters for and, and letters against, written by organizations that have done an awful lot of research, and they will make their arguments within those letters, and usually both sides, both sides of the issue coordinate those letters enough where they try to get to all talking points, not in one against. Okay, this group over here that's for it, you're going to talk about this this party. This group that's for it, you're going to talk about something entirely different of why you like it. And on and on and on. And so you do have to kind of read those letters. Uh, and then I would highly suggest that when it comes to the propositions, you will know Who's for and who against? They usually form organizations, okay. some sort of structure. Go to those websites. Dig a little bit deeper. Uh, there's been an, a lot of legislation recently about cleaner elections, and in there there must be disclosures, some level, who funds this? Mm-hmm. Why are there? I mean, and that can give you big clues as to what's going on. And without taking sides on anything right you get to learn it's kind of you know follow the money yeah and uh, that's a real key that helps you an awful lot news great so so yeah digging digging a little bit deeper and and uh, just going beyond the superficial of uh, that sounds good you know or the little top line is something that I sort of like because I've I've observed myself that sometimes that top line description is actually not really descriptive of what the major will end up doing and so getting underneath that sometimes there is also history most state ballot propositions initiatives that are out there measures are written to get a no vote in, in a lot of cases, okay. it's much easier to get a no vote than it is to get a yes vote. And as such, sometimes even voting no gets a yes. And a person has to look at that very carefully. Right. And that's not really hard to figure out once you look at it. I mean, I can give you an example that affected the meetings industry from 25 years ago. Was it 25 years ago? Yeah. Ooh, gee, 25 <laughs> years ago. Uh, and that was in Arizona, there was a Martin Luther King issue and uh, prompted a boycott in the meetings industry uh, uh, of people not coming because, you know, we weren't, quote unquote, supporting that. So then there was a measure that was going to go on the ballot to have the people vote for a Martin Luther King Day holiday. And other groups decided they were going to put a measure in. So there turned out to be four measures on the ballot. When you did the pre-polling data prior to election day, 79% of the people said they support the Martin Luther King Day holiday. Here's what happened. All four of them failed. 
So if we, to make it simple, we say they were proposition A, B, C, and D. I may read all four and go, wow, the one I like the most is A. So I'm going to vote yes on A and no on B, C, D. Someone else may read it and say, gee, I like B and I'm going to vote no on the other three. Someone else might like C and vote yes on C and no on the other three. All four of them got defeated when the polling data had it almost four to one in favor, almost 80%. That's a four to one uh, ratio. Yeah. And when you would think if something was going to pass, four out of five people are going to vote for something, it's going to pass. Yeah, it seems logical that it would. And that's where you got to be careful. And I learned a big political lesson there, that if I really wanted it to pass, I should have voted yes on all four. Right. Because then one of them would have likely passed. Absolutely. By getting a majority. And, and others were written making you think they wanted you to vote for it, knowing that just by confusing the issue enough, they would end up probably getting enough no votes. Right. Fascinating. I mean, <laughs> Machiavellian in its approach, but uh, pretty interesting. But we have that's that's why we're recommending that people dig a little deeper yeah, because the the information is ultimately there. There's very little that's a hundred percent hidden, but you have to get to it. And you know what's what's interesting is in our industry we talk an awful lot about post 9/11 because yeah. it changed an awful lot of how well how the world has changed since 9/11. And, of course, that's affected the meetings industry and, and so on and so forth. So I, yesterday I wrote a new blog post called, Are You Ready for 11-9? Well, the day after our general election is November 9th, 11-9. And so the question is, are you ready for the day after? Are you ready for what's going to happen? And are you prepared? So if there are trade organizations that are listening out here, and I know that there are, that follow you, John, you know, you got to really think about what happens after. What's next? And how's that going to change for us? And are any of these ballot measures going to affect us? And whether they pass or fail. And if the legislature changes, how's that going to, uh, how's that going to affect you? And if certain members change, yeah. you now need to build new relationships. So are you going to go out there and stay visible and stay viable? Are you going to keep communicating people? Uh, and that's really the heart of what Voices and Advocacy does, is helps people understand how do you break through that. We help educate, engage, and motivate their advocates, their supporters of their cause, whether it's a nonprofit cause or whether it's trade organization or even corporate that says, hey, listen, there's a lot at stake for us. Right. It's Yeah, it's in our interest as a company that these things happen, and, and it's staying in that conversation. Uh, that's what, to me, the advocacy part is, is you're, you're you know, active. You know, there's a, uh, there's kind of a, an ironic, fun play on words that's sad and true at the same time, and that is, they say in the government public policy area, that if you don't have a seat at the table, you're on the menu. <laughs> And the point of that being is, if you're not storytelling, if you're not sharing with elected officials how things affect you, 
and this is personal, guys. You know, if, if, if something personally affects you, and you're not letting them know how that personally affects you, they have no clue. And if they're clueless, that puts them in a dangerous, bad position to make policy without knowledge. Right. And we've all seen that from the meetings industry perspective. Well, yeah, absolutely. But And, and so anybody listening to this can look at it and say, gee, how's this going to affect our organization? How does this affect our industry? How is this going to affect me and my family and loved ones personally? And when it gets to that, creating relationships and sharing your story is the most powerful things. And it's shame on us if we don't do this. Because that's the way our government was established. Right. You know, our Constitution didn't begin with I the King. Yeah. It begins with <laughs> we the people. It, and it's a responsibility that we have on ourselves to participate. And I, I firmly believe this, and it may not be politically correct to say this, but maybe we're partially in a non-politically correct era now. I <laughs> don't want to go changed. down that road. But, but... I will tell you, if others don't take that responsibility, you give people that take that responsibility more power. Right. So if you choose not to do that, I thank you for sharing your power with me, because I will do that. And I know you will do that, John. We've, we've had too many personal conversations for me not to know that that's what you and your family do. It's a responsibility. Absolutely. Yeah, I was taught that from an early age, that it's a privilege and a right and a responsibility. And and we know that there are going to be a lot of different people in this election because of what the top of the ticket, what the top of the ballot has brought us in this topsy-turvy kind of crazy year. But the cool thing about it is, if it's driving new people to say it matters and good on us, and I really hope in this post-11-9 era, of the post-election era, that I'm an optimist. Right. And I'm hoping that people say I had the political role in the campaign. Now I have the governing role. And I must now stay active post-election and be involved in my government and speak out about it. And I will guarantee if more people speak out about it, there will be more things done because the majority of America sits somewhere around the 50-yard line in the middle. Yeah. The people that get all the attention are the people on the fringes. But the majority of Americans sit in the middle. And if we as the majority of Americans react will get more compromise done by all levels of legislature. I think that's probably a, a terrific place to end this. Uh, Let's put a cap on it. Yeah, it's uh, it's really important. And I, I appreciate you, Roger, as always taking time to come on and, and talk about this because it's a highly charged year. It's a vital year. It, it almost seems to carry more weight this year than it has sometimes in the past because of the stakes. Yeah and just so many things available like we talked about in your blog post. So many different 
levels of governance being changed all at once. And so uh, make sure that you vote on the 8th and of November. And then make sure you govern on the 9th and past that. Perfect. Thank you again uh, from IMEX. Always a pleasure, John. It's uh, the Strategic uh, Meeting Tech Podcast. We appreciate you listening as always, and uh, we'll talk to you next time. This has been the Strategic Meeting Tech Podcast, your podcast source for news and discussions of the meetings and events industry. You can find out more about Strategic Meeting Tech at our website, www.strategicmeetingtech.com. There you'll find resources and information about how we help planners to create better audiovisual and technology outcomes at their events. Our music is provided by Steph Sachs, under license from the Creative Commons, and you can find out more information and links to the artists there on our website as well. Please send any comments or show suggestions to John, J-O-N, at strategicmeetingtech.com. Thanks for listening.